And I always tell people what we do is simple, but it's not easy. There's challenges. And most people are just not willing to go through what it takes. They hit one roadblock. They say, that's it. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back investors. My name is Sarah Larby and I'm so excited to be back with you this week. We've got another great episode, two great guests for the show today and I'm super excited. But before we get into our guests for today, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update on what's been happening on my end. So I am uh, looking for more deals. Of course, I'm always looking for deals. I had a sixplex under contract and uh, unfortunately the sixplex had some major foundation issues I did not proceed with. And I'm also about to put in an offer on a potential flip property in Burlington. So my thoughts though are it will be in multiple offers and, uh, but you never know, you never know unless you put an offer. So if you guys are wondering and you don't know how to get going, I mean, start making offers and the worst that you're gonna see is they're not gonna get accepted and it'll just get you one step closer to getting that deal. So go out there, learn how to make offers and you know, if you're not embarrassed a little bit by your offer, then I mean, that's not good. You should be a little embarrassed by your offer in a way because that means that you're trying to get a good deal. It's definitely a lot harder though to do it when there are multiple offers. So if you guys have, you know, a scenario where you've got multiple offers, I mean, I've been in a few and, uh, you know, just don't get discouraged. Don't lose hope. You will get something at some point and it is just common in this market. I, uh, I throw in probably, I would say 10 offers for potentially one deal and that's okay. And that's okay. And sometimes I throw in offers and I get the deal under contract and then I go and see it and I uncover things I don't like about it. So that's okay too. I mean, worst case scenario, it's a great opportunity to get something under contract and then do my diligence. And, and sometimes that's actually what I do. I will try to get something as quickly as I can get it under contract so that I can then have a little bit of extra time to do my due diligence without having 10 other people compete with me at the same time. And, uh, and oftentimes what I'm able to actually do is use my inspector's report to be able to reduce the price of the property. And I've been able to do that on different occasions. One of them was $20,000 off. One of them was about 3000, but all in all, my inspector has earned his keep <laughs> much. Uh, it, it's just, it's just been so helpful to be able to go in worst case scenario, you know, cost me $450 for the inspection to, to say, you know what, this is not for me because it'll take me X amount of thousands of dollars to just make it safe or to just fix it up before I even renovate anything at all. So just go out there make offers, make them conditional on inspection or and or financing. Just make sure that you talk to your mortgage broker ahead of time and just go out there and see what's out there. And you'll be happy that you are pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and going out and trying to buy something. You know, the last thing that you want to do is be in the same position that you were in or that you are in right now in five years from now. So if you guys are having analysis paralysis, that's okay. We all had it at some point. Let's just all help each other and uh, and help us 
get to that next level. And, uh, and guys, if you are interested in coming to the right club, it's starting again in September, September 18th is the next one, but go on the rightclub.com into the calendar section and you can see all of the dates for the full day events as well as the evening events, our webinars as well that we're doing. So if you are listening to this and you are not in the Burlington area or in Ontario, we are actually launching a whole online division starting in September that you guys will be able to have access to each other, to forums, to a bunch of different things in the community. So a Canadian real estate community, it's pretty cool. It's what I've been working on this summer. So guys, super excited for that. And just take a look at therightclub.com. And if you are interested in joining the online community, more details uh, will be available, but feel free to register and you will get more information. So today's guest is actually a father and son duo, Gene and Manny Guarino. And Gene is the founder of Residential Assisted Living Academy. It's the premier source for education in owning, operating, and investing in residential assisted living and seniors housing. It's different. It's quite different and it's a growing industry. So definitely a great podcast and a great episode. And Gene and Manny have some really awesome insights I think you guys will really enjoy. Gene has trained thousands of people from across the country to turn single family homes into cash flow machines. His motto is do good and do well. And Gene's approach to meeting and rising and the rising need for assisted living for baby boomers is both widely profitable and different from the way big box assisted living corporations are doing business. So let's get on with our interview, guys. And if you have any questions or you wanted to reach out, feel free to send me an email. I do respond to all of them. Sometimes it takes me a little bit of time, but I do try to get to all of them and uh, help everyone as much as I can. So with that said, guys, let's get on with our interview. Hi, Manny. Hi, Jean. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to see you, Sarah. Good to see you as well. So before we get started, I just want to let everybody know that you guys are in Arizona currently mm-hmm. and enjoying the beautiful weather. We are. It's nice right now. Don't come out here in a month. <laughs> that. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So tell us a little bit about yourselves, how you got into real estate investing and what your strategy is. Got it. Well, you know, myself, I started when I was 18 years old, younger than this guy. And that was my first house. We actually had a business and a recording studio, music school, small record label as teenagers rented. Then we bought that property and we converted it into mixed use of business, residential, sold it, did buy and hold, fix and flip, small commercial. But it wasn't until about seven years ago when my mom started to need help, his grandmother, where her health was failing as it does when you get older. And we realized that there was a massive opportunity, a real need in assisted living. And we came up with a really unique model to use single family homes for this residential assisted living. Okay, that's quite interesting. So in general, can you clarify what assisted living is in comparison to nursing homes and then what the typical setup looks like versus what you guys are doing? Sure. Well, realistically, when we think of a nursing home, a lot of times we think of a bigger facility right? It's, it's this big building, big hallways, and it's not really a very welcoming place. And so with what we do, we do residential assisted living. So it's not a giant nursing home. It's a home where we're running an assisted living out of it. 
And what an assisted living is, is a home where we're helping out with activities of daily living. So cooking, cleaning, getting up and out of bed. It's not medical. It's not a hospital, right? It's not that. And that's really what we're helping with. And instead of doing it in a larger facility, we do it in residential. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's really quite interesting. Now that's very unique. And like, how do you figure out like what is legal, what's not legal, permits, non like I would just imagine that the government, I mean, might be a little bit different in, in the US versus Canada, but there's probably a lot of regulations and things that they require for you to be able to run this kind of thing. Yeah, every state's different, every province is different as to how it would be run, what you can do, can't do. So some of the commonalities are you have to have a safe place for seniors. It can't be unsafe, uh, multi-story where there's no guardrails or things like that. So a safe place, there's rules and regulations of what you can do, can't do, how you do it. Every province is going to be different in, the province itself is going to be different in its rules and regulations. So somewhere online, there'll be a, a government website which will state all the rules for the area that you're in. In the U.S., we do know it very, very well. We have students from all over the country, even some that came from Canada to the U.S. to learn how to yeah. do this, and they end up doing it here in the States. So everyone is a little bit different, but it's not medical, and that's a big piece yeah. of what Manny shared, the idea of it's a group home for seniors. It's a great real estate play. You can make a lot of money as a business play as well as helping a lot of people. Okay. Now let's just say, for example, I want to buy a property and turn it into this type of home. What are some of the things I need to look for in that home? And what are some of the changes that I need to make for it to be properly accessible? Yeah, that's a great question. And one of the big things is that we're looking for a little bit different than what you would be looking for in regular real estate investing, right? Where we're looking for a three, two. With this, we're looking for bigger homes, nicer homes, right? More ranch style homes. Because when someone is at the age where they need to move into an assisted living, getting up and downstairs is a little bit more difficult for them. So ideally, a ranch style home, the more bedrooms, the more bathrooms, the better. And ideally, more private rooms. So instead of having a three bedroom, two bathroom home and trying to have 12 people in it, you know, maybe we have a seven bedroom home, five bathroom home and have 10 people in it. So that's more along the lines of what we're looking for. Nicer, bigger, more ranch style homes. So also when you say, what kind of work do you do? The house needs to be safe for seniors. So think grab bars near the toilets and showers, maybe smoke detectors, maybe fire suppression sprinklers if, if it's required. And frankly, even if it's not, we always encourage our students to do that. Today, we were out looking at a couple of homes that were up in the Scottsdale area here, and just really nice homes. What was great about them is the location. They're on a busy street on a corner, so as soon as you come around, bam, you see it right there. It's not a house that would be ideal for a family because it's on too busy of a road, but it's perfect for us because we're going to go bring mom and dad there, so easy to find. And then when you go inside the front door, it's set up in a way that's very senior friendly. There's bedrooms on one wing and bedrooms on another wing. So it's just great to see. And we saw two of those today. Very cool. So you guys are actively purchasing. Just out of curiosity, how many of these do you guys do on a yearly basis? Well, we currently own and operate three here in Arizona, but we're in the midst of a merger and getting another three. And we also invest in them across the country. So the total is getting close to 200 units when we talk about beds, when I say units, so beds all across the country uh, all together. But we focus on Arizona, but our students come from all over the U.S. and Canada as well. 
Okay. And then you teach them how to do it in wherever area they want to do it in? Yeah. Sarah, you mentioned right off the bat real estate and you, you do the Burr model, right? So this is a little bit different that there's a real estate play where you might own the real estate and lease it to an operator, maybe get twice the market rent with a five-year lease. And that's a great way to go. Or you can do it the way we do it, where you own the real estate as well as operate the business. So you're your own tenant, but really it's the revenue that's generated from the business of the residential assisted living. Or you can just simply invest in it, be a passive investor or a lender or a joint venture partner with somebody that does. Absolutely. It sounds like there's a lot of different ways that you can put this together and make the deal work. And even in Canada, we have a huge demand and a huge need for it because as the baby, I mean, you guys know, baby boomers are aging and actually the availability of, of these properties, sometimes there's a wait list, like, you know, <laughs> years potentially to get in. And so is that the same that you're seeing on your end there? You really are. And it's, it's just exactly that. This is a great business to be in now and it's just getting better and better and better. There's so much need and, and the way you just said it is great because we're always thinking so myoptically of us here in, in the US, but this, it was a world war that ended in 1946. So the baby boomer generation where people came home, got busy, had, had babies and this population explosion, it's really truly affecting the entire world. And it's a huge crisis if you're not prepared, but an opportunity for those of us that are taking advantage of that as well. Absolutely, for sure. Now the other big advantage I can, I can picture in doing something like this is you, you got tenants that are going to be paying because a lot of them, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, have pensions, have government type of income that they get potentially pulling out their RSPs. In your case, it might be a 401k. So it's that guaranteed income. But the other piece that I'm thinking of, and you guys can talk a little bit more about that, is the increased cash flow on something like this versus potentially even a student rental. So can, can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Well, just on that point right there, and I'll let Gene jump in and finish. But right now, the national average in the United States is $4,000 a month to be in a private room in an assisted living facility. Now, that's the average of what we're seeing. So with a home like ours, you might have 10 residents in a home, and they're each paying $4,000 a month to live there. So the home might be bringing in $40,000 a month of gross income. And for the expenses, it might be twenty to 25000 The debt service might be you know, 5000 on a home like that. So at the end of the month, we're not talking about making $100 or $1,000. We're talking about Ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars of cash flow coming in each month with one of these homes. So, why do you think more people don't do it then? <laughs> you know, I, th I think it's really interesting because when some when you see a TV show and in twenty eight minutes they bought a house, fixed it, flipped it, and went to dinner, it makes everything seem so <laughs> so easy to do. And I always tell people what we do is simple, but it's not easy. There's challenges, and most people are just not willing to go through what it takes. They hit one roadblock, they say that's it. They say I don't want to fill in paperwork, I'm out, and it's okay because I I want people to get involved in this, but not everybody. We still need customers. We need people lying in the bed. So, where should I invest? With your host Sarah Larvey. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, 
work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that, and B, I didn't have 35% to put down, I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors, and she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A-lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis. It was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Of course, of course. So you get the good cash flow. You talked a little bit about expenses. So I'm assuming that the expenses are a little bit different. You might have to hire a few people here and there. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, very different because your biggest expense is going to be that the caregivers themselves, the manager, the caregivers, the humans that take care of the other humans. That's your biggest expense, not the real estate, not insurance, not food. It's paying people. So for somebody who's listening, saying to themselves, well, I don't want to have employees, got it. If you don't have employees, that means you're doing everything yourself. Well, I don't want to do it all myself. Well, then you're going to have to have employees. So the employees are the managers, the caregivers. That represents 40 to 50% of the gross income goes towards paying those people that are really critical to your business because they're the ones taking care of the seniors on a day-to-day basis. So does that include like a PSW nurse or a chef, nutritionist? Like who are these people? Every home has a couple of people you must have, like a manager, and that could be anybody, me or you, but it's not me. But the point is a manager and then caregivers, they're the ones who are direct care to the residents. Maybe there's two caregivers during the day, one at night, but 24-hour care. In a nicer home, like our nicest home, does have a chef, white hat, white jacket, culinary trained and so on. But most of the time, it's the caregivers that are preparing the food, taking care of the residents, cleaning the house. But there are other people along the way that you do hire to do handyman work or fix appliances and that kind of thing. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So here's the question I was like debating whether I wanted to ask you guys, but you know, this is my podcast. I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> what happens if somebody passes away in the property? 
Well, it's not an if, it's a when. I mean, the reality is we're all going to die. If you don't know that, tune in, right? The point is we're all going to pass away. And when somebody moves into assisted living, number one, it's not because they want to play tennis and golf. That's independent living. This is, they need assistance. They need help. And every day they're alive is one day closer to, to not being here any longer. So every, every resident, typically nine out of 10, 95% of them are going to pass away in that home. Now, if that freaks you out, then, you know, get your life right so you're okay with that. But the point is, it's not a traumatic thing like you might see on a TV show. It's a, it's a quiet event. Somebody's actively passing. The family comes, visits. Everybody says their goodbyes. The caregivers are as sad as the family, but uh, it's a normal course of events. Thank goodness it doesn't happen every day, but when it does happen, it's on we go. We fill the bed, and the family says a big, huge thank you. Uh, they know that we did a great job helping them during this critically important time. And that's part of the do good part. Our motto is do good and do well. So doing well means make a lot of money, which we do and you can, but it's the do good, which is helping other people, especially during this critical time. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I mean, it, in Canada, we have to disclose, like if ever you sell the property for a certain amount of years that somebody passed away. But I guess if you guys are doing this in the long term, I mean, it is what it is. I think people are, are expecting it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I don't even think about that part anymore that when I walk into the homes, like even the two we walked in today, I'm a pretty spiritually aware person. My wife is really spiritually aware where when you walk in the homes, there's peace, there's calm. It's not anything distressing at all. And it's, I, I don't even really think about that because I've been in the other side where it is distressing a spiritual situation, but no, these people are loved and they're taken care of and the families were grateful. It's a wonderful opportunity to help other people. That's that's great. So what happens if a family member, like, do they stay overnight? Like if you've got a daughter that's coming to visit, and are they putting a cot next to the bed or is it just strictly for the people that are paying? Yeah, if they'd like to pay $4,000 a month as well, they're more than happy. No, I, <laughs> no, that's a great question. And, you know, really... That's the reason why they're in our home. You know, when someone is getting older and they're starting to get to that stage of needing to move into an assisted living, sometimes people will say, well, I'll take care of mom. I'll take care of dad. And they have that experience where they go, you know, Gene's my father. When he gets to that age, which will be a long time from now, don't worry. I don't but know. One day when he gets to that age, that's a different relationship being a caregiver with your parent, with your mom, with your dad. And so that's why they're in the home. So they're more than welcome to come by and visit and you know, spend time. If it is getting towards the end, right, like we were just talking about, you know, if they want to come by and be with mom, be with dad, totally fine with that. But them living at the home and things like that, if they were staying there a little too much, not so much there. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, in, our, in one of our homes, we have an extra bedroom set up that is for people from out of town. If they want to stay overnight instead of at the hotel, they can do that. And it is a good way to spend time. It very rarely gets used, though. I mean, I think people have good intentions, but they want to come visit, not not let's live together for a week. You know, it's that's the reality. Absolutely. That makes sense. So I find it really interesting that you guys are both on the podcast and, and Manny is your son, Gene. And so just out of curiosity, there's probably a lot of parents out there that are trying to get their kids on board, interested in real estate investing. And I'm just curious what your story is and how you are here today as well. No, that's a great question. So when Gene first got started in this, myself, my two sisters, my brother, and my mother all looked at him like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, you got the seniors and the houses. What? You know, we didn't get it. 
And it wasn't until Gene handed me, you know, the purple book, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read through that book. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You know, I read through it in what felt to be like 20 minutes. It was just amazing. And a few weeks after that, we were at a real estate event and Robert Kiyosaki came up to Gene and said, hey, you're the assisted living guy. I got some questions for you. And I went, hold on, Robert Kiyosaki, you're my hero and you're talking to my dad. That would make my dad my hero. And it just, you know, <laughs> a lot of your listeners have kids and they've been telling them, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. And he had told me to do all those things before, but sometimes just hearing it from someone else and it just, boom, and it clicks. And that's what happened for me. And then I went through the training and I, I learned all about it. And I just said, what can I do to help? I was in college at the time and I'm like, just give me anything. And he said, just go find people houses for this. And I said, okay. So I just started finding houses and this and that. And four or five years later, my wife and I were the number one realtors for residential assisted living in Arizona. And so we're very proud of that and getting to help out with the team. So that's a little bit about myself, but that's what I specialize in is selling residential assisted living homes as well. That is very cool. That's a great story. And so you weren't even remotely interested in it until that happened. That's quite interesting. <laughs> Not until that happened. Yeah. So hand your kids books. Sometimes they just need to hear it from someone else, yeah. you know, and that it's tough, but it's just, sometimes that's just how it works. Well, we could tell you lots of stories about the things that I made these guys go do, but you know, really as, as a parent, if anybody's listening, who is a parent, just do your thing and encourage them to do whatever they're passionate about. And if it happens to be your thing, that's awesome. But I never expected it. That's awesome. But there's still hope out there because clearly you were in college when you got into it. So there's lots of people that will come to me and be like, can you talk to my daughter? Can you talk to my son? You know, they're not like into it yet. But you know, it's a, it's a great story to see that. And then you guys are, are both like actively doing it. You're you know, partnering in this and it sounds awesome. So what's the next goal? What's the future hold for you guys? This year, we've, we've, well, first of all, we've been training others how to do this now for over five years. We have literally thousands of students across the country, and we both get the privilege of speaking in front of groups, teaching them about it. We get to go out and see the homes. I saw three student homes last week uh, in Kansas City, and just going out to see them, tour them. So that's that part of it, the education part. We own and operate. We also launched a company this year that's called Family Legacy Homes, Family Legacy Homes is all about investing in these types of homes. So if you don't want to do it yourself, you just want to invest in, you can do that. Uh, last year, we launched the National Association for Residential Assisted Living. So this year is our third annual convention for that. We're expecting over 600 people for that. Come on out, Sarah. Yeah. You can be our guest, by the way. I'd love to have you first weekend in October. Last year, we had Jonathan Goldsmith, the most interesting man in the world from Dos Equis Beer. He was out. This year, we've we're lining up our, our special guests, but over 24 teaching sections, 600 people, it'll be phenomenal. But we, we launched that last year, it's our third annual convention, and next year we're gonna be launching an operations company. So we've got it all covered when it comes to assisted living and especially in a residential setting. That's amazing, I, I have to ask, so if somebody does wanna come out, where can they go and find that information? Sure, I'm gonna give you two resources, so if you're writing things down, RAL101 is a great website, RAL101.com. As a matter of fact, uh, my latest book, I don't have it here, called The Insider's Guide to Investing in Assisted Living. They can download a copy for free. That's my gift to your listeners and your gift to them. Thank you for listening and watching. 
And there's also a short webinar if they want to watch that and learn more. And then if you want to have a conversation with us, you can set up a discovery call and we can have a conversation to see if it's right for you. So that's RAL 101. And if they want to learn about the convention, RAL NatCon, so National Convention, R-A-L-N-A-T-C-O-N.com. Come learn all about that first weekend in October. But seriously, it's an open invitation to you. Be our guest. We'd love to have you. Excellent. I wouldn't mind going out there in the warm weather in October. So <laughs> we'll definitely uh, talk. Nice. Good time of year. Awesome. Awesome. So the next, next part of this podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you guys a series of five questions. You've got 30 seconds to answer. You can either answer them together or separately. Quick all, right. all right. You ready? Yes. All right. Number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Oh, uh, obviously, I, I already named Rich Dad Poor Dad, but my second biggest one, mm, the biggest book I've been reading lately, which is just in life, real estate is all about life and relationships, is How to Win Friends and Influence People. I, I've listened to that one uh, three times this last year and just going over it again and again. And that's what real estate is all about, as you know is about relationships, being able to talk to people and things like that. I is think it that's... 30 seconds per question? Oh, sorry. For all five <laughs> but you know what? Actually, you... Slow lightning. Slow lightning. <laughs> you said something I, th I think is really cool because there's a lot of people that say that they don't have time to read books. And sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of that too. But you said, listen. And when you're in your car, you're doing your dishes, you're doing your chores, listening to podcasts or listening to audiobooks, like that is the, the best way to do it instead of listening to the radio and those commercials, right? So... Glad you mentioned that. Gene, what about you? You know, I, I read two books. I was just got back from the Bahamas last night, so that was fun. So the, neither were real estate specific related, but the one that was coming to my mind when you mentioned real estate was one of the very first books that I read. I don't even know if it's available. Ed Beckley, B-E-C-K-L-E-Y, and it was all about creative financing. So that was, you know, back when I was your guys' ages, right? The, there weren't that many books out there. So the, the old stuff, it's all rehashed in all the new stuff. So creative financing books out of the library is a good resource for you. Okay, excellent. Old ones. Good. So question number two, your favorite podcasts? Yours, of course. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> other than mine, let's give our audience some other options here. <laughs> Well, you know, we're really good friends with the real estate guys. They do a great podcast, been around for a long, long time. So I'm going to say the real estate guys. Yeah. What do you I, I would have to agree with that one. It's an awesome one. If you haven't listened, give it a listen. All right, perfect. Number three, what is your favorite pastime? So what do you do for fun when it is not related to real estate investing? Oh, I, I'm shooting hoops. We both love playing the drums. So we got some free time getting up there and, and uh, getting the stress out, playing. That's always fun. And smoking cigars, but that's not that, his. That, that's mine. That's his. <laughs> okay, great. So question number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Mm, that's a great question. You know, for me, if I lost everything, the first thing that I'm doing is I'm getting out there, I'm doing whatever it takes. When I first started, I was door knocking, right? And that is just, nobody wants to door knock, right? But except for those people who say, I'll do whatever it takes. And that's, that's what I love about door knocking is it just builds that confidence. It gets you going, gets you in front of that person. And so for me, I, that's what I would do if I had to. You know, I know for me, I, I've been through a couple of hard times where you do kind of lose it all in different ways. And uh, I think one of the most important things is you reach out to those people in your network, your, your circle of influence and friends and ask, how can you help them? Not what can they do for you, but how can I help you get what you need and want? And before you know it, you've helped them, they've helped you, and the whole thing brings everybody up. 
Absolutely wonderful advice. Thank you. So last question of the lightning round. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend it? I'm going to say, well, do you have some? You, you start. I think at that stage, it's about education. It's about you got to get some more money, right? Or you got to raise, you got to have that ability to raise money. So learning that new skill. So that's a great start. You know, get a great mentor and learn whatever skill that is and, you know, really develop that. And turn that 50 into 500. Yeah, because the reality is money is a renewable resource. You know, it, it you can go get more of it. There's You're never going to create it. It's always attracting it. So if you learn how to do something and, and you attract that money to you, money is never the issue. It's There's so much money out there looking for a home, looking for a purpose. Uh, put, put it into yourself, your head, your mind, your passion. Be the best of what you do and the money will come to you. Okay, great, great answers, guys. So I don't know if this is different from before, but if our listeners wanted to reach out and know more about you, what's the best way to do that? Call us or come to our website, ralacademy.com, ralacademy.com, or call us. And uh, you can find our, the phone number there. I don't want to boggle your mind with that. It's all there on the website. Call us, set up a conversation, watch our videos. We have so much out there available to you. If this is something that interests you, love to share it with you. And you're going to get good at something. That's what I want to share with everybody. You're going to get good at something. The question is what and how are you going to invest your time in your life? Money, you can get all that you want, but your time is you got to spend it and invest it once. Be smart about it. Do it right and put it in the right places. Amazing advice. Gene, Manny, thank you so much, guys, for being on Where Should I Invest. Really love your insights your your concept is awesome so guys you know go out talk to these guys go out to the conference in october and thank you for being on the show thank you thank you appreciate that his first one not bad nice nice good job (laughs) hey guys before you go i wanted to ask you a question what's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons, and at the time, they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away, and eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that, and the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked, and also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.